Hello, everyone. Welcome. We're glad to have you back. We're glad to be back. We're glad to be here. It's another beautiful day in Chicago, Illinois. This is Movie Show Theater. My name is Jimmy, and we got another full house. We're going to go around the room and introduce yourself, and uh, we'll start with you. My name is Joey Fondle. My name is Sam Ball, and I like to party. I'm Norm Burns. And if you sense the enthusiasm in all of our voices... Especially norms. Yeah. The reason is because the movie that was chosen today. What is it? What is uh, it? What is it? What is it? Well, I can't I'll tell you. Wait to find I'll out. I'll tell you. We got a, a hat. I'm so excited. Whoa, you guys. What do you think it's going to be, Norm? Well, we got a hat with little pieces of paper, and on those pieces of paper, there's hundreds of movies, and we're Boo. rolling it around right now. Here we go. We're going to pull one out at random. Uh, Joey, why don't you pull out the first piece of paper that pops out? Okay. Crinkle, crinkle, crinkle. Meow. What's it say? It says, uh, oh, wait, no, that's no good. I'll put that back. <laughs> oh, okay. Okay. Okay, I got one. Ooh. Oh, let's see. Oh, no, no, no. Oh. Let me put that back. <laughs> hey, this one says, oh, well, I have a great time. A lot to say about this. It's Robocop. Oh, oh my God. Does it say which version? No. Must be the 2016. We'll just do the remake then. Yeah. Open to interpretation. Sorry, Michael Keaton. I want to put a man inside of a machine. I knew that movie would be bad as soon as I found out Michael Keaton would not be playing RoboCop. Uh, We have chosen, not at random, RoboCop. So, we're going to do our little intro and then we'll get right into it. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. To infinity and beyond! You yell shark. We've got a panic on our hands on the 4th of July. They call me Mr. Tibbs. Let's put a smile on that face. Hey, Vasquez. Have you ever been mistaken for a man? No. Have you? Oh, I'm sorry. Did I break your concentration? Maybe. Maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. what we do we fight you tell me when i'm being an arrogant son of a bitch and i tell you when you're being a pain in the ass come quietly or there will be trouble hey motherfucker i can only have one food for the rest of my life that's easy pass cherry flavor pass i don't like sand it's coarse and rough and irritating and it gets everywhere but I hope you leave enough room for my fist because I'm going to ram it into your stomach and break your goddamn spine! <laughs> Alright, so this movie was chosen by Joey, and I'm going to pass the mic over to him, and I'd like him to explain exactly why he chose this movie. Uh, but before we do that... I'm going to let you finish. I'm going to let you finish, Jimmy, but let me tell you something. <laughs> <laughs> Robocop is the best movie ever made. (laughs) Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. (laughs) Let me tell you something about Robocop. Robocop is the best movie ever made, period, by anyone, ever. Can I ask a question, Joey? Can I ask a question? Is Robocop naked all the time? Robocop is naked all the time. Next question. Is that why it's rated R? I yep. thought we talked about this. Take the dick. Leave the dick? No, nah, I think they've they probably taken it. Can I be honest with you? Yeah, please. That's they, why you're here. I think they left it. You want to know what else? I think I already that, have one. I think that they put it in the gun. Think so? Hell yeah. The whole movie is symbolic it of is. a man wrestling with a, a natural desire to be with other men. That would Robocop? explain that. Why do you think he shoots I that man for, in the dick? For, for, for that, 30 seconds. I thought he was going for her panocha and he missed. That would explain the Turkish bath scene. <laughs> the Turkish okay, so bath here's what's going to happen. We're going to get into it, but before that, I'm going to experiment here. And all good things start with that opening line. Hmm. There's a game that I made. It's called Last Call, Last Fall. Oh. So if you guys think you know your fictional movie bars... I beg to differ. <gasps> so what, what I'm looking for is the movie. I'm going to give you the name of a bar, the year that, it, that the bar opened, the year the movie came out, 
I'm going to give you some notable patrons you might find. Oh. And some pretty common drinks. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Mm. So I'm looking for the movie. Actually, we'll start on my absolute favorite interior fictional bar of all time. It's called The Last Resort. It opened in 1990. Total uh, Recall. Wow. Wow. Drop it like it's hot, boys. Okay, okay. Yeah, that's the, that's the only song that that bar plays. Classic last resort. Okay, so this is the gold room at the Overlook. The Shining. Okay. Got it. Beach, y'all. Beach, y'all. This is all part of Speed Month, where we celebrate uh, the quickest answer and speed in all forms. Mm-hmm. Like the movie Speed? Yeah, Ooh. amphetamines, ni- 1990 <laughs> classics. That's yeah. fine. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic. That's an 80s classic. So, the next one is called the Ink and Paint Club. This opened in 1988. You can find Whiskey on the Rocks. You can find Eddie Valiant. You can find a lot of Acme characters. Oh, it's um, oh, oh, uh, Hoover Roger Rabbit. Hoover and Roger Rabbit, yeah. <sighs> Eddie Valiant. Okay. I win. Fucking Bob Hoskins. Whoa. Yeah. I won. All right, this one's kind of a trick question. No, I don't want to do that one. I want to have a better one. Okay, this is it. <laughs> this is it. This bar is called 10 Forward. It opened in 1988. Their signature drink is alcoholic and synthetic drinks. And uh, most often, patrons you will find here are numerous crew members from no, the wait, Starship. No, wait, 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 wait a minute. You Star Trek. It opened in 1988. I think that's the first time that bar was introduced to the show. No, you, I thought this was the, uh, the, the founding of the bar. Like when the bar was established. No, when... Oh, the, shit. Joey's been watching fair. Star Trek, dude. That's fair. You gotta be careful. I know what 10 you know forward what? is. You know like. what? We're, we're giving Joey uh, credit on that one. Yeah. Uh, the one that Damn. I was going to do that's kind of, a, it's kind of a trick question. The name of this bar is called The Bar. Uh, it opened in 1973. You will most likely find John, the waitress, Paul, Davey, or Bill drinking here. Wait, say that again. Say it one more time. What you just said? John, the Most waitress, likely you will Paul, find John or, or the waitress yeah. or Paul What's or the name of the bar? bar? The, the bar. bar. The bar. With John. And the signature drink is loneliness. Oh, man. Uh, other oh, hint is oh, it's, it's not it's the from song movie. American Pie. No, but By you're Donna on Hotel McClane. California? Nope. Oh, it's Piano Man. It's fucking Billy Joel. It is Billy damn Joel. Damn it. Ew. Sorry, I didn't, damn I didn't it. mean... I didn't you mean, you no, got it, well, No, Norm? but I said damn it because I don't know why I said Don McLean to begin with because I knew the whole time it was sit at the bar and put bed in my jar and say, man, what are you doing here? For some reason, I just didn't... But it was kind of cruel of me yeah. to use one that's Very from a movie. clever. The whole podcast is about movies. Joey, why RoboCop? Well, RoboCop is the best movie ever made, Jimmy. It's a great film about what it means to be human, and it's also a political and social satire, uh, oftentimes mistaken for a B-movie uh, schlock, which it is not. It's actually up there with the highest of political and social satires, I would say, with Catch-22. I would put it in the same regard as that. I would put it in the same regard as pretty much the greatest political and social satires of uh, the last 100 years. And uh, I don't shit. think <laughs> I don't think that it should be um, thought of as a B movie. I think that it is an A movie uh, all the way. Um, it's there's definitely a time and a place for movies like Trancers, you know, uh, <laughs> like Schlock, uh, which I don't think RoboCop belongs in that family. RoboCop is my favorite political satire. If you really boil it down to its essence. I think that it's a movie about the dangers of capitalism. I think that it's a movie that was prescient in its time. And I think that it's a movie that is coming true today. I think that everything that they put into that movie are things that were lost on me when I was eight years old and I saw it for the first time. I was way too young to be watching it. But I think that a lot of people were way too young to be watching it the first time they saw it because, again, I think the parents just saw the cover and said, like, oh, RoboCop, whatever. Yeah, you can watch this. And uh, I didn't pick up on a lot of things the first time I saw it. I didn't pick up on the prescience or the the satire. I was only appreciating it when I was a child on the surface level of this is a movie about a man who was uh, killed and brought back to life as a robot a police officer. 
so that was phase one. And phase two was when I was 21 years old and I had started smoking marijuana for the first time in my life. And when you first start smoking marijuana, one of the first things you do as a movie fan is you go back and you say like, oh, wouldn't this be great to watch high? Wouldn't this be great to watch high? Since everything is awesome now. <laughs> everything is, every, everything, <clears throat> you have to re-experience all of the things that you enjoyed prior to smoking marijuana. Uh, and one of the things that I wanted to rewatch upon discovering this drug was RoboCop. I thought, wouldn't that be a fun thing to experience? And, uh, and I, I smoked a, a bunch of pot. <laughs> A whole bunch, <laughs> and uh, uh, and I put on RoboCop, and what I uh, experienced that day, I would call something close to a religious experience. Probably Did you transcend to an astral plane. I, I think I transcend. I think it definitely transcended to the astral plane. And what I picked up on, and I'm not saying that you need marijuana to understand things like this but this is just my experience I, for the first time i really completely understood the satire in robocop and it, it was one of those moments that really just kind of blew my mind and made me rethink all of the the media that i had absorbed up to that point you know obviously enjoyed robocop up to that point and had started to pick up on things like the fact that they were mentioning like the star wars space platform in the movie but that was the moment that I really started to realize, oh, like there's something much deeper going on here. And this is a movie that has ideas that transcend just this story about uh, a robot police officer. And uh, and one of the things that to this day that I think is so interesting about RoboCop is just the, the really the attack on capitalism that it is. And the the idea that there's this being who is an unstoppable force and who is programmed to deliver justice, whatever that may be. I think that RoboCop isn't necessarily a police officer in the movie. He's more like a corporate security guard. And his mission is to clean up the streets of old Detroit so that he can clear the way for this gentrified neighborhood called Delta City. And he does that. He, he starts cleaning up the streets of old Detroit and starts eliminating crime. And he follows the breadcrumbs of the trail of crime lead him, obviously, to the corridors of power in Detroit, which takes him to the highest floor of OCP, which I think in itself tells a story. The idea that crime doesn't begin on the streets. Crime is something that begins on a corporate level and on a, on a city level and on a, on a government level. And I think it's very interesting that RoboCop quickly, almost like Bruce Wayne and Batman Begins, where it's not about just going out at night and beating up criminals. It's about attacking the seeds of crime, which is corporate corruption. And so OCP, I think, knows this in the movie. And that's why they've programmed RoboCop with this secret embedded directive, which is he that he can't arrest any employee of OCP, Omni Consumer Products. So they, they know that what they're doing is wrong in, in RoboCop. OCP knows essentially that, that they are criminals, and they are criminals. They're criminals in the same sense that Clarence Boddicker is a criminal. It's just that they're different types of criminals. And I think that that's such a an interesting idea. I think that's an idea that is completely lost on the the remake and I don't want to I don't want this to be just a us talking about the remake, you know. Well, we do have to talk about the remake a little bit only yeah. because I saw the remake and watching the remake only made me so acutely aware of the importance and personality and heart and just what made the original so much better because yeah. the remake was not a fun movie to watch. You know, like, the guy who directed this, uh, he had been directing movies for a long time, but this was his first American studio film. And the very next one that he directed was Total Recall. But he's also done Starship Troopers and Hollow Man, and they're not all unbelievable gems, but it's pretty ballsy that this was his foray into American film, and it being received so well. Like, yeah. all, all of your themes are, like, right on, on top of, like 
privatization and yeah. greed and you know dystopian well and... we haven't even gotten into privatization which is like the other very interesting part of the movie to me which is that the police force and the hospitals have been privatized in the world of robocop in this future that they present which is not necessarily the future in the sense that like oh it takes place in such and such year robocop takes place tomorrow you know it takes place 15 minutes from now as they say um did you just come up with that that's great well, I, I don't think I I, so, I really came up with that. Like, I think that's just like kind of like the the idea behind it. You know, it's, it's cool in the sense yeah. that like as we progress on this planet, that movie will only become more relevant and more. Oh, it becomes kind of surpassed that movie at this point. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. Definitely. There's uh, there's things in RoboCop, and this I think is really crazy. There are jokes in RoboCop that are lost on us as a modern audience because they have come true. Yeah, because we're part of what years. he's making fun of. Yeah, well, yeah. the the police officers in RoboCop, and this was a hilarious joke. In the it, <laughs> this, this was a joke when RoboCop came out, and it's lost on us now. It's something that we don't pick up on, but it's the fact that the police officers wear body armor in RoboCop. We don't think of that now as a joke. We think of that as reality. But when RoboCop came out, police officers didn't wear body armor. You think of like a, a police officer in the 60s, 70s, and 80s. They wore a, a, a collared shirt you know, and, and dress pants. And in RoboCop, you see police officers wearing bulletproof vests and, and, and helmets. They look like, uh, like SWAT teams, right? That was, a, that was a joke. That was written into the movie to be funny. Yeah, nowadays they're underdressed. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, and uh, and that's just one of the ways that that movie was so prescient, and and so the privatization where you have like the commercial talking about the the hearts that are made by uh, Yamaha, and it's, it's funny, but it's kind of like a weird funny where it makes your stomach turn a little bit. Well, and it, like I feel like it, even thirty minutes in, it just constantly catches you off guard. Mm-hmm. There's a scene. If, if you haven't seen the movie, you're not going to have a good time with this. Uh, we 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 can't describe every scene in detail but i mean we can but we won't uh but there's a scene where they're trying out this new piece of law enforcement security that's made by a private company but they're trying to sell it to the police department and it's this mech warrior piece of shit and they know it's a piece of shit but he like kills this guy trying to do this harmless demonstration but it's pretty graphic Guess how many times they had to submit this movie to the MPAA for an R rating? Just guess. Twelve times. It is twelve times. (laughs) Is it really? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Who do you work for and where's Jim Hopper? Oh, man. Crazy. That is crazy. Twelve times? Twelve times. But also, I feel like from a cinematic achievement, structure-wise, this movie is the epitome of Western you know, but it's also the epitome of like, it's a great yeah. action movie. It's a great science fiction movie. And like at its very simplest terms, it's a revenge thriller. But if you look at the tropes and motifs of most Westerns that we could name, it's all in Robocop from like mm-hmm. the ghost town to like flipping of the gun to right. getting the shit beat out of you to like coming back for your revenge. But you don't really think that because he's not trying to make a Western. I think he is trying to catch you off guard and he is trying to give you something that you haven't seen. But I just remember being really grossed out by it. And like I watch it now and it's fantastic because like you said, there was so much that was lost on me. And I can see where you're coming from where it makes you question your childhood. You're like, what else have I missed in my favorite movies? Yeah, definitely. There's also major themes of gentrification in RoboCop where like the whole idea behind Delta City that was completely lost on me when I was a child it was just part of their master plan is that they were going to build this thing called Delta City and it was lost on me that Delta City was a gentrified neighborhood they were going to take out they were they were bringing in all of these robots to rid Detroit of crime not for the sake of justice or to to clean up the streets, they were literally just clearing the streets to make way for bulldozers so that they could build this giant... It's like the the shops at Kenny's house from... Like, Delta City is like that, you know? It's like Cabrini Green in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Like, what that's become now, where they have... What is it? New City. Called? New City, yeah. New City is basically Delta that's City. Edge City. Yeah. Oh, wait, that's from The Mask. I'm sorry. Oh. Um, like, that's, like, that's really what it is. And if mm-hmm. you imagine, like... 
To me, it's like if Chicago had realized that there was money to be made in raising Cabrini Green and building this new city. And what if their solution had been to introduce robots to take out the impoverished people that live there? You know, that's really what RoboCop's mission is from in the beginning is to eliminate impoverished people so that they can build Delta City. And they screwed up. Like, OCP doesn't see the error of their ways in RoboCop. They don't see that, like, by introducing this completely just force that they're actually shooting themselves in the foot because RoboCop is, he's going to follow the, the trail of breadcrumbs that leads back to them because his only directive is to stop crime. And four prime directives. He has four, four prime directives, right. Yeah, let's get specific here. Yeah. What, what, what are those four prime directives? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I know that one of them is that he can't ensure the pu- the public ensure trust. Ensure the public trust. Yeah. Uh, the classified. Last, yeah, right. The last one is classified. I call the last one. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? It's Well, the first one is to serve the public trust. Uh-huh. I think the second one is protect the innocent. I think I remember the third one is uphold the law. And I believe the fourth one, if I remember correctly, is... Any attempt to arrest a senior officer of OCP results in shutdown. Wow, yeah. you ha- you remembered that I very mean, well. I got a gift. His fourth directive is disclosed. He's he doesn't he doesn't see that. Mm-hmm. Do you think it's interesting how RoboCop is Bob Morton's Frankenstein monster? So Bob Morton is Frankenstein. Robo- RoboCop's his monster, and then uh, the big man's monster is kind of Clarence Boddicker. And Clarence Boddicker kills RoboCop's Frankenstein, and RoboCop ends up killing Boddicker's Frankenstein. Yeah, they're natural enemies. They're perfect enemies. But it's interesting, too, is that it's like there's a war going on within OCP, Mm -hmm. and they're using these these robots to fight their own war, and it's 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 their own creation that destroys them. I I love the Morton character, and I really like the guy Miguel... I don't know. Ferrer. The poor yeah. man's corporate Tom person. Hanks' cousin, yeah. Miguel Ferrer. Yeah. He's a perfect that guy of the 80s. If you've only seen two 80s movies in your life, he's in one of them. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it takes about two lines of dialogue from him for you to create a perfectly accurate caricature of who this guy is. He's young, he's slick, he's new, he's greedy. There's a scene where he literally has a cocaine party with hookers. Um <laughs> Which is just unbelievable. Again, as an eight-year-old, you're just like you. It's weird because you kind of understand what's happening, but you really don't. Yeah, you know, it's like you know that they're doing a drug. It's like, like why I does he did. Have two yeah. girlfriends. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who's gonna clean up all that sugar? I just remember like I that scene always made me really queasy because I knew that Clarence Boddicker was coming, mm-hmm. and uh, it's hard with characters like uh, like Miguel Ferrer in that movie. When you're young, you really it's really easy to understand good versus evil, you know, like the rebellion versus the empire. But Robocop introduces characters like him where it's like, what is he really? Like, is he good or is he evil? Like, you don't know. Like, so it's like, it's scenes like that are are very discomforting to watch as a child. I remember just watching that, just like not really knowing like what to think. Well, it's interesting, I think, because, you know, you've got this curiosity as to like, whether to think of Bob Morton as a good or a bad guy, and it's kind of a gray area. But at the end of the day, he personally is a cog in a machine that is evil. And, I mean, regardless of his personality, like, he's a contributor to the destruction of a society. Yeah, but they don't they don't see it that way, which is the interesting part to me, which is the, the, the corporatism of it, where it's just like they have their self-interest. Yeah. But it's cool, like you said, like Bob Morton pretty much invents Robocop. Like Robocop is his monster, his baby. Yeah. But Robocop is so much better than Bob Morton. Like they don't really know like what they've created in, in Robocop. Well, that's because I, Murphy. Well, yeah, that, that's the next point. It was like, it, and they get into it a little bit in Robocop too, which is its own thing. But it's like how much of it is is just the fact that they picked the right guy, but for their purposes, the wrong guy to serve as the the subject of this experiment. Yeah, and what's really interesting is that Murphy's not from Detroit. He he's from a suburb somewhere. Yeah, it was got his first moved, day on the job. Got moved to Detroit. So he's an outsider. He has no connection to these people and I think that when he became RoboCop allowed him to see things in a far more objective way even even through his robotics because he still got his brain. Yeah, yeah. Uh and allow, allowed him to piece things together and possibly yeah. even allowed him, or at least helped in some way for him to overcome that 
that fourth prime directive because I feel like he probably wouldn't even have been able to get to the top floor if that fourth directive had its full abilities over him. But he was also never opened back up into that side of him. Like, Robocop wasn't really pieced back with Murphy if it wasn't for his partner. What's her name? Lewis. Aunt Lewis. Nancy Lewis Allen. was kind of like the show of like, okay, I mean, you see at the beginning, like a lot of the cops are kind of like jaded almost. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, oh, not here we go again, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she's kind of filling the role as like what RoboCop would become. His she was conscience. somebody that she's like, look, mm-hmm. I'm yeah. just, all I am is an officer and there's nothing I can do to stop this giant mm-hmm. machine. You can. So if we can just for a second, I'd like to touch on the impact of of RoboCop just outside the actual movie. So the script was rejected by pretty much every studio. There is a really little engine that could studio called Orion that picked it up. And then RoboCop's success was followed up with two sequels, two cartoon series, a television show, numerous comic book series, a made-for-TV series that had four uh, movie-length episodes, as well as a fan-made parody film. It spawned over a billion dollars in children and adult toy lines and collector statues, which are still being released to date. So this is weird. I have a recollection of playing with toys that were based off movies that I had never seen that I didn't really care to see, like Rambo and RoboCop toys that are not collectors, like they're designed for children. Yeah. Well, Terminator and RoboCop, it's funny you bring that up. Those two movies came from the same studio, Orion. I thought they came from Carol Co. If you're saying it's Ryan. They're probably like up. a producing company. Yeah, something to that effect. But they, they were actually, before Terminator, they were uh, a small studio that was making like art films, and they were going out of business. And then they decided to do Terminator, made a bunch of money, and that's what made them decide to follow that up with RoboCop. And that's why you get the Terminator song in the trailer for RoboCop. Oh, yeah, they did it. They used it just for the trailer, right? Yeah. It's like a temporary piece, and then they ended up keeping it. Uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, that was the trailer song for Robocop, which I guess uh, confused a lot of audiences. They thought that Robocop was a sequel to Terminator, which doesn't make sense. I never even saw Robocop until I met Joey, but I remember being young <laughs> what? and living in Arizona. And having like the the motorcycle like kind of toy bike, which might have even been from like RoboCop two, like maybe not even RoboCop one. Like I had yeah, the RoboCop action figure, and I, there's no way in hell I ever saw RoboCop. But yeah. I was like, I got RoboCop. But you also didn't you know? care, right? Yeah, I mean, no, that's it's part like, of kids RoboCop. like you. That's all I need to know. He's a yeah. robot cop. Hell I'll yeah. make up my own fucking yeah, story. Yeah. yeah. Does that still happen? Like, are there toys for R-rated movies for kids? Hell today? no. You know, like. Like kids play video games now. Well, like, but like, try to think. Yeah, I I don't have a moral dilemma with it. I just, I just think it's a really funny sign of the times because that would not fly now. I mean, I know it's much simpler and it was PG thirteen, but like, even like the idea of the Jurassic Park toy line for a a film that you know might not necessarily have been and the original, you know, fuck all this Jurassic World shit. But the first Jurassic Park movie—that's not necessarily a kids movie. Uh, it's like an adventure movie. Yeah, you know? I guess. But yeah. I also Jurassic can't Park think of a recent rated R movie that would make a good Steven candidate Spielberg. for a toys? kids toys either. That's what yeah. I'm trying to think. Maybe John Wick, Sam. John Wick toys? Maybe. It's just men in suits. Made by yeah. Kenner. You gotta, you gotta have like flashy, flash and You gotta have like attachables and shit. Yeah. yeah. You gotta have a, a rocket launcher Fifth Element. to replace on his forearm. Fifth Element had toys. Mm-hmm. R rated movie, right? Mm-hmm. Fifth Element's R, right? I think it's PG-13. Yeah, it's PG-13. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, hell. I also really appreciate, I don't know if it would count as improvisation, but the RoboCop suits were just over $500,000 a piece to make. They had seven. <laughs> yeah. And he couldn't move from a sitting position to a standing position because he's in his car a lot, which is really weird to see this like brand new mech cop and like a busted ass like Toyota Camry. <laughs> it's such an awkward. It was sight. a Ford yeah. Taurus. Oh, it which was, was a Ford Taurus. It was considered a futuristic car back in the day, so that's why they used it. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, it was futuristic. Wild. That's what they said. But yeah, so they had to like be very strategic with how they showed him getting out of the police car uh, well actually he, but he his movements are so like mimed like they're so exaggerated he didn't wear pants when he when he drove the car he wasn't wearing the bottom so when he steps out the first thing you see is his foot because paul verhoven wanted you to have the image 
of him like he he didn't like the fact that he couldn't fit in there with those with those legs on so he wanted the the image to be there which is why you see his foot get out of the car as the first thing you see so that you can connect it to, immediately to the car he didn't even want to do the movie originally Paul Verhoeven he uh, he didn't get very far in the script and he just like tossed it aside and then his wife read it and he was like this is a crappy B movie and she was like no there's a lot here you should read this whole thing and so uh, we should give it's all crazy, man. I know it, and it, it gives me the same vibes as Starship Troopers. It's yeah. the same kind of idea of like if you watch a movie without any sort of desire to dig deeper, if you watch a movie with a mentality of an eight year old, basically, Starship Troopers will seem like a 50s, like campy, like shitty B movie. Yeah, but it's a lot of the same themes, a lot of like. With RoboCop, there's more of an idea of put your faith in Big Brother, we will have your back, while at the same time we are taking money out of your pocket and bulldozing your house. I feel like that's true of, of both of them. I think that... Yeah. Uh, there's more of a military yeah. aspect with Starship Troopers, Definitely. The satirization but, in RoboCop is a little bit more on the nose with Starship Troopers. Starship Troopers, like, I think you can, you can enjoy almost 100% as just a like, science fiction action movie. Like, it's a little more subtle in that movie. And I think the Starship Troopers is less successful as a movie than RoboCop. But I think the satirization is there. And I think that you have to dig a little bit deeper for it. And, like, the whole idea of you have to serve in the military to be a citizen. Like, all that stuff is really, really buried in Starship Troopers. Whereas in RoboCop, like, it's just kind of like, they just kind of hand it to you and say, like, like this is this world. Like, look at how fucked up it is. And, and in that sense, it's like, RoboCop is almost like a comedy. When you watch the commercials in RoboCop, you're oh, supposed God. to laugh. Yeah, like, the, the commercials and also the news broadcasts is such yeah. an interesting device to paint a picture of the society. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a family gathered around for game night and they're playing a game called Nukem. Nukem. And like the the dialogue aside, it's just it's just very telling. And just the nonchalance that's there's so many different ways that this movie like applies to our current situation. It's such a tight film too, like it's so fucking from a tight, technical yeah. angle, like the scenes what something that happens in one scene is mm-hmm. is just like comes to fruition like three scenes later exactly yeah. when it's supposed to. Yeah, it's he a pretty solid much invents movie. the USB stick when right. he has his blade shoot out of his hand. Yeah. And one of the things that I'd never really paid much attention to that I really appreciated when I watched it um is that when they pull up to the um factory at the beginning mm-hmm. right before he dies mm-hmm. and they decide to go in because of the expert writing they make a logical case out of an unbelievably stupid decision to not wait for backup. Yeah. I mean, I understand that backup was backed up, but they explain that this female cop plays by her own rules and she's got a lot to prove. So she is okay not waiting. And it's this dude's first day in school And he has no idea what the fuck's going on. So why would he wait for backup? Right. Whereas like any normal self-respecting cop to be like yeah i know what the city's like i'm not going into this abandoned warehouse by myself right but no, they make it, they make sense out of it yeah i think yeah it's definitely a, a tight movie it's it functions as a really good movie because even with a movie with all of these things that we've talked about if it was not well done if it was not well written like it would just completely fall apart like it's just a good movie like robocop it just is it just rules Like, it's it's so enjoyable. Yeah, I'm pretty sure my favorite part in the whole movie is the title sequence at the very beginning. Oh, yeah. No, like, no, like, Paul Verhoeven presents, no, No. like, Columbia Pictures. (laughs) Yeah. Blue Sky fucking title sequence. (laughs) Goes right into the the (laughs) media break. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess, uh, like, that was not done ever in 1987. That was, like, a really bold move to not have any sort of opening credits i don't know i mean it seems perfect now after seeing it emulated for like 20 years yeah yeah a lot a lot of movies are doing that now saving the credits for the end there's a fun anecdote uh, about peter weller's favorite day shooting on set when he goes to arrest clarence boddicker and he interrupts the drug factory Peter Weller said it was his favorite day on set and because he had headphones in that day and he was uh, listening to the song by Peter Gabriel, Red Rain, <laughs> while he was shooting these guys. Yeah, that's I not an action-packed song. That? That's not the song that I would have guessed. <laughs> Red Rain awesome. is coming. <laughs> like, Red Rain. So good, dude. 
Red Rain is coming. Yeah, they As did a Kickstarter him. campaign to erect a RoboCop statue in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And Peter Weller was, like, heading up the campaign. And it, they did it. It worked. It was filmed in, like, Austin or something. Dallas. Dallas. Yeah, it was filmed in Dallas. <laughs> Do you guys ever get a kick out of going on a Google Vortex to find real-life filming locations? Then and now... Where was this movie filmed and looking at, like, what the location looks like on any given day? I've never even heard of that. Oh, my God. It's amazing. Where was RoboCop filmed? So it was, it was filmed in Dallas. Huh. And so the, the OCP headquarters has that, like, really crazy architectural design. So that's What's City Hall difference? in Dallas. And Wild. it's actually two or yeah. three stories tall. And so they did a matte painting to make it look a lot more looming. Which, how awesome are matte paintings? They're like, incredible. just from, like, yeah. an, an unbelievable, like, practical effects. Yeah. They, um, uh, matte paintings really add to the atmosphere of a film. I think, like, probably the, the one that was most effective to me was when I saw Death Race 2000. And they've got the matte painting of the city in the background. But, like, in frame, these things add so much texture to the worlds that they inhabit mm-hmm. if they're done right. Or like Edward Scissorhands. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is kind of yeah. done to comical effect, but... <laughs> yeah, and the um, villain, Ronnie Cox, I wasn't super familiar with him, but I guess that was another weird casting choice yeah, with dude. him as the villain, because he was like... A he only guy. had comedic roles in movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, fucking, he was in Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah, dude. Now you're speaking my language. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, we should, like, start an egg timer for four minutes. Yeah. Talk about the RoboCop remake. Uh-huh. And then when the timer goes off, we move on. Because uh, I don't want to dwell on that terrible movie. The RoboCop remake is the movie that they would have made about RoboCop <laughs> in that world. <laughs> That's yeah, how bad right. it is. <laughs> he's right. It was just, it was so true. It was, it was such a chore to get through that movie. And it was like somebody had watched that movie and been like, yeah, I could improve on RoboCop a little bit. And let's take all of the fun out of the movie. But I really did like he watching the biker. remake just made me want to watch the original. Yeah. He was, was, and also black. Yeah. yeah and also the black. fact that it yeah. had to settle for a PG-13 rating because they didn't want to give it the R. Because whenever it came out, like 2012, whatever. I was like the year of rated R action movies were like box office poison. I'm I'm just so glad that like they were trying to push that like idea of remaking <clears throat> these masterpieces as mid budget poppy crap. Right. And it just it it just Backward, hit like a yeah. lead balloon, man. Yeah. That one. I mean, the actors recall. all did the best yeah, with what they had. I mean, yeah. it was like a Hayden Christensen situation. But I feel like the violence is such a huge element of uh robocop because that's the first thing that i think of it's it's kind of a just a nasty gross like uncomfortable atmosphere anyway but what do you think is the 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 purpose or the effect of having that ultra violence in robocop what was the reason behind it like what's the the choice in telling that story for him to use the ultra violence or is it just something that he liked to do Well, I think that the whole movie has this attitude of, like, a celebration of excess. Like, anything that we can do to excess, fuck yeah. We could have a four-foot protection robot. Fuck no, make it 15 feet tall. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You want to have some beers? Fuck no, get these hookers over, get me some cocaine. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's a satirization of the 80s, which is like the age of excess, Mm -hmm. the beginning of the age of excess, for sure. And it's also like the beginning of the age of those types of movies where it's like satirizing also like the movies, the action movies of that time, which were excessive in violence. And so it's kind of like it's making fun of that. So it's it's taking that that ultra violence to like a new height. And again, it's just one of the other jokes in the movie. Is yeah, that, like, yeah look exactly. At this I think it's like we're we're spinning this around and we're pointing it back at you and saying like you're the one who is enjoying this. Yeah, like you're enjoying all this greed. You're enjoying all this violence, and you're not thinking about it. Like you're not thinking about how like everyone is being desensitized to the value of a human life. You know, like that's a recurring theme throughout RoboCop where it's like the the movie literally begins with the media break guy saying like, you know, good luck, Frank. Yeah. Uh, Where it's like, you know, it's not, it's not a thing, which is the same thing as saying like, oh, our thoughts and prayers are with these victims (laughs) of this school shoot. Like it doesn't mean anything. It's nonsense, you know, and the same thing where Ed 209 blows away Kenny and the, he like Ed 209 is, is, is shooting this guy for, I don't I don't remember how long, 
long it goes on for, but blows him away. And the first thing someone shreds says, him, shoots him shreds until him. he's lo- nothing yeah. but shreds. The first thing someone says after it's over is, "Somebody call an ambulance!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like there's, it's just nonsense. There's well, I just no. Think it's, there's isn't, no it, isn't it also ridiculous yeah. that? They brought this thing in here with live ammunition inside of it. Like they had yeah, no, yeah, yeah. There was no need for that. They just care so little about yeah, the people yeah, yeah. in that room that all he wanted and to do was that, show like, how big he could destroy. Ronnie Cox like knew that it was faulty. It's not like he was surprised that it fucked up. He was mm-hmm. just mad that he didn't get him to sign the contract. Yeah. I mean, he's a psychopath. He had a man murder Bob Morton. Yeah, cowardly because, too, might I add. Yeah. So what do you think is the most like lurid scene of violence well i guess him dying. killing killing murphy so yeah so there's a scene where like he dies and like you know he's gonna die pretty much as soon as you see uh them walk into the warehouse i mean you probably know that going into the movie if trailers are even a portion of of yeah. what they are now because that's the whole point of the movie so yeah they like set up this whole like jesus allegory where like he takes this like crucifixion pose and then at the end he's like walking on water mm-hmm. but yeah this scene where they blow him to shreds first of all he stays alive for way too long i mean to a point i realized that wasn't like accidentally done but that was always something that like stuck into my mind when i was a kid i was like how is he still alive <laughs> and then when there's nothing left the uh blowing off of the arm which is so exaggerated and like so gratuitous that wasn't in the r-rated cut what? Blown off the arm, blown off the hand. Yeah, there's two different cuts. Yeah. The the better version that shows the arm and the hand, it's like 40 seconds longer. It's and even it's, more. <laughs> it's so perfect. Yeah. It's just so perfect. Like that scene is extended and the Ed 209 shooting scene is extended. Yeah. Yeah. The only additions in the director's cut are more violence. I think the Jesus Christ allegory was one that like... I didn't quite understand. You didn't get that as a 12-year-old? No. uh, (laughs) Paul Verhoeven, he's just like a cuckoo guy. And, you know, I think he threw a lot of stuff in there. And, and, you know, like in the DVD commentary, he talks about, like, oh, he's walking on water at the end. Like, is a Jesus Christ allegory? And that was the one allegory where I was always like, really? Like, that's like, this is pushing it a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, But, like, you know, at the same time, like, I get it. Like, I get that, like, the world has become so corrupt that, like, this one entity is, like, the ultimate form of, uh, of, of good in the world and he has to be like obviously there's stuff where he dies and is brought back to life and he has to be reintroduced into the world to like teach us how to be good again yeah <laughs> but, is, but i feel like everything else in the movie is so well tuned that they should just leave that out yeah it doesn't need it's to not be like, amazing yeah, it's, as everything yeah, else yeah. in the movie is it's I, not needed yeah. i don't know like christ allegories aren't like always my favorite thing it's my least favorite part of like being there is the fact that everybody interprets that scene that's why i didn't like I passion think, yeah. of the christ yeah i felt yeah. like they really pushed that yeah <laughs> Well, I think yeah. a, calling something a Christ allegory like is done so often. Oh, it's all so just much bullshit. Anyway, like you've written a book about a guy who's, I mean, supposedly uh, all good. All right. Well, you know, you've got all your fucking characters are either good or bad, and they're all fighting each other. So everything's gonna be a Christ allegory. Yeah, it's like yeah. did it's, that character hold his arms up in a T? Christ allegory. Right. I call right. it seriously. And now it's like you have like fucking Superman. They're trying to make Christ allegories. It's just like it's too much, man. Seriously, you it's gotta, so stupid. Yeah, tone that shit down. Speaking of not that, just on a side note, <laughs> what year do you think the last laser disc was pressed and released in North America? Two thousand three. 1996. 1994. It was the year 2000, the year of our Lord. Oh. Scorsese's bringing out the dead. Nice. That's a good note to end on. Who's buying those laser discs? (laughs) CJ, Zach. (laughs) Sorry, CJ. CJ, do you have that one? (laughs) We did. Oh, shit. (laughs) Dude, it's such a good movie. I, I love bringing out the dead, and like so few people. I just watched it the other day. It's so good. It's like, you know, it's like After Hours and all those other ones that he does. And fun fact, uh, the nurse, uh, one of the nurses that they show in Bringing Out the Dead plays a nurse named Carla in Scrubs. She's she's Carla in Scrubs. Well, that's Carla, you say. I I like to think that that's the same person. Carla, you say? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We didn't even get into like the memorable quotes 
of Boddicker throwing a dead body onto a police car. Can you fly, Bobby? Your favorite line. <laughs> if I hear the name Bobby, I visualize you saying that quote. <laughs> I swear to God, it just happened the other day. I used to do that a lot with my little brother. We would quote our favorite quotes from RoboCop when we were like six. Having no uh, idea of like the context? Uh, no, we knew the context. That was one of the movies that my parents allowed us to watch. Like, and we would watch it over and over. Well, so, as long as there weren't boobs in a movie, they'd let us watch it. That is such a funny school of thought. My parents were the same way. Yeah, if but I there can are it from the library, I can watch it. That was our that was our house rule. <laughs> really? Yeah, and you can read fucking anything from the library. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Don't tell my mom though. Do we were in a Deep Rising, Scrooged. We got some good ones. Hard from the Rain. Library. Hard Rain. We With did not Christian get that Slater. one. Christian uh, Slater and Morgan Freeman. Good point. Yeah. I think one of my two favorite lines, one is when Morton looks into the glass during the operation and goes, you're going to be a bad motherfucker. Yeah. yeah. I have such a, an appreciation for motherfuckers delivered perfectly. There's only mm-hmm. been a handful in all of cinematic history. Right. Samuel L. Jackson comes yeah. to mind. There are yeah, he's done a couple, but you know what? Not all of his are perfect. He's gotten sloppy mm-hmm. recently. Well, because Over now saturation. it's his like It's his calling phrase. card, yeah. It's his but like Jackie Brown... Yeah. This movie? Yeah. Also, Bitches Leave. Bitches that line, Leave. It's perfect. I watched a whole bitches YouTube leave. featurette with uh, that guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, what is his name? name? I usually it's know like, it. It was this little featurette with Miguel and that guy. And it was a six-minute long back-and-forth interview of how that line Kurt came Wood to Smith. be. Kurtwood Kurt Smith. Smith. Yeah, 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 yeah. And it was a... Uh, it was like the tenth take. Was it a hoot? Bitches. It was a hoot. Bitches and leave. Miguel was joking about how Paul Verhoeven, the scene was done, and Paul was like, "Okay, that's a wrap on the bitches. Thank you, bitches. Bitches can go. Oh wait, do we still need the bitches? Do we need them for that pickup shot? No, bitches can leave. Thank you, bitches." Nancy Allen's first day doing that movie was a day that he was filming uh, an episode of the that show. I'd buy that for a dollar. I forget. What <laughs> I forget the name of the episode, but she thought. She did, she walked in thinking that she had made a big mistake yeah, I would in signing too. on to this movie. She's like, I would too. What is this? With with the depth that you see and know and hold <laughs> in the film RoboCop, uh-huh. what, what do you think of RoboCop 2 and RoboCop 3? Oh, I think that uh, slowly America has become uh, the thing that RoboCop satirized, and I think that the RoboCop franchise has just become been that. It's been it's been franchised and it's been corporatized. It's and been infected. It's been infected, yeah. And I don't think of those as being a part of the same series at all. I think RoboCop Two is good on kind of like a superficial level. I think that RoboCop Three is a travesty, and I think that the multiple series that came after it are just like a a joke. You know, I, I talked about how the the first time I, I saw it, uh, Stone to the Bone, was the first time I picked up on the satirization. That's not actually technically true. I remember I was in the 90s, I was reading an issue of Starlog magazine, and they were producing the newest RoboCop series. And the director of the new RoboCop series was talking about, oh, like the previous series, because this is like three series deep at this point, three TV series. Uh, he's talking about like, oh, you know, the problem with those old series is they lost the satirization. They lost, uh, you know, the fact that like in the first RoboCop, they're talking about the Star Wars space platform, like vaporizing the president. And I remember reading that and thinking for the first time, oh, like I never thought about it that way. But yeah, there's like this weird undercurrent of weird stuff going on in this movie that has to do with present times and didn't give it much thought beyond that. But yeah, like I, I think that it has been a victim of the thing that it, it is satirizing. Wow. I think a really good metaphor for that would be RoboCop 2 was taking RoboCop and turning him upside down and shaking him for loose change. Yeah. <laughs> and then RoboCop 3 was like ringing out anything yeah. they might have missed in this. Like, let's one. give him a jet pack in this one. You know that was made by a committee sitting in a boardroom that looked a lot like the OCP boardroom in the first movie. Like I the- gotta admit though, man, when RoboCop 3 came out and I was a kid, yeah, that jetpack. It did its job. It made sense. He was a kid. You were like, of course they should give him a jetpack. <laughs> Why? Uh, Why wouldn't? Of course, they? one of his hands should come off and be replaced with a, a machine gun flamethrower. It only makes sense. Well, <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It's too bad you can't uh, blame the third one on kids. 
Yeah. You know what, you know what, guys? I got it. A Robo Ninja. That was inspired by Akira Kurosawa films, according to its writer. Well, I'm <laughs> pretty sure Akira would not have appreciated yeah, that. I don't think he would. If you like Seven Samurai, you're going to love RoboCop 3. <laughs> yeah, we got two more Samurai. <laughs> the true RoboCop sequel was never made, and it was supposed to be called RoboCop 2, The Corporate Wars, and it was written by the original writer of RoboCop, and they didn't make it because it went like balls deep into the, the satirization and... I mean, the subtitle is <laughs> The Corporate Wars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think the key is, like, They're making ma- it fun and making it uh, enjoyable to sit through. Cause, well, like, he's, yeah. he's writing that sequel now. I don't know if it's based on the previous idea or not but that's what yeah. they're working on that's what they need to do it's because robocop it's one of those things where like it belongs to that uh newmeyer it belongs to newmeyer mm-hmm. like it is his thing and, you, and to try and sequelize it he would have to be involved paul verhoven and edward newmeyer would have to be involved they are the brains behind it you know it's like george lucas and star wars you make a star wars movie without george lucas it's not quite like you can make a good one but it's not like is it really belong heck i mean if you make a star wars with george lucas sometimes it doesn't exactly yeah well you know that's the other thing is age can take away some of that spunk yeah which i hope it doesn't with them but i guess like the overall purpose of robocop is lost on everything that came after the first movie and especially on the remake where it's like the remake it's just you know at this point we're living in the world that robocop um, satirized. Predi- satirized and predicted. Yeah, if, if people don't get it now, it's because you're part of the joke. Yeah. yeah, and they threw in some shit about drones in there. It's like, give me a break. They're just going for like the low-hanging fruit mm-hmm. of things that we all know is like kind of wrong. Like, I want to see some real like cutting-edge satire and like and and jokes about the president being vaporized. Yeah, but guess what? You do that, and you don't get funding for your film, or you don't get it released into theaters and you don't make your money back exactly unless you release it on netflix who will pay you to do those things yeah i think it's pretty funny that he did robocop and then immediately did total recall how do you go into a movie with zero expectations and leave disappointed (laughs) that's what happened with total recall with the colin farrell one yeah, I'm pretty sure that was PG-13 too, and yeah. it should have just been called Lens Flares the Movie. <laughs> That's yeah. literally what it was. In every single shot, there's a lens flare. Let's yeah. just, like, forget these movies ever happened. But, but even that was even that was better. But he we hasn't really forget. directed a whole lot of things. I mean, I don't know if I can think of any director he's got a, who he's has working on a, a new flawless movie. track record. Yeah, it's called Bendetta. Yeah, is that what it's called? It's called B for Bendetta. <laughs> It sucks for me as a fan of ultraviolence and action films that Paul Verhoeven's interest in excess has kind of turned to this sexual excess. I'm like, well, whatever, that's fine. But that's his new movie is, is yeah. more of that, unfortunately. Hollow Man didn't help that argument. Yeah. Fucking perv. So, thanks for uh, following along with us. Hopefully you're still listening. You can hear the rest of our podcast episodes at soundcloud.com slash movieshowtheater iTunes, anywhere you get your podcasts. Check out our Facebook page because we want you to leave suggestions of what movies you think we should talk about. We can come up with movies for years, but we want to do what you want to hear. So, whatever movie it is, good or bad, especially if it's bad, we're going to do it. That's all there is to it. We're just going to do it. So thanks again, and until next time, stay movies.